because last Thursday we had a big down day in the market, and then Friday it gapped up and erased the whole down day, and then, uh, and then some. But when the Fed basically tells you what it's going to do in advance, and then it just does it, then all of a sudden you're going to see the market rally on that news for the most part, assuming you're in the early stages of a bull market. And I always like to say the market is speaking, and then ask, are you listening? You're listening to Last Week in the Market, the podcast for self-guided independent traders. Hey everybody, I'm Sean Vincent. I'm the voice of Last Week in the Market. Adam Sarhan will join us soon. He's the brains behind Last Week in the Market. Adam Sarhan is an independent trader. He's a Forbes contributor. He is the author of the excellent book, Psychological Analysis, How to Make Money, Outsmart the Market, and Join the Smart Money Circle. He's the host of the Smart Money Circle podcast. Adam created the AMPT trading strategy, that's A-M-P-D. It's designed to give self-guided independent traders a structured approach to trading in the market. Adam creates market newsletters filled with actionable ideas for traders who follow his AMP strategy. But in order to take advantage of those newsletters, traders need to have uh, understanding of some fundamental market concepts. This podcast is designed to help independent, self-guided traders understand the fundamentals of trading based on the lessons learned last week in the market. But before we get to all that, remember that in the market, the past does not predict the future. No results are typical, and there is inherent risk when trading in the market. This podcast is for educational purposes and does not constitute financial advice. It's the week of July 31st, 2023. Let's do this. Last week in the market, we saw the recent rally continue despite a big dip on Thursday. Adam expects the market to consolidate those gains soon. He'll explain what that means. It's earnings season, so we've seen some leading stocks gap up. Adam will explain what gapping is and why it matters and why it's usually a good thing in a bull market. Finally, the Fed raised interest rates. The market didn't care. Adam explains why. We'll start today with Adam explaining why markets pull back after rallies. Here's Adam. After every big, you know, equity run or new highs or every big rally on Wall Street or every big, you know, move up in the market, you get a drawdown or a pullback or a correction, whatever word you want to use, which is normal and healthy for the market to pause and digest that move. So Matthew McConaughey calls the green light, red light, where after every red light, there's a green light. And after every green light, there's a red light. So they say after every drawdown, ideally would be a new equity high. And after every new equity high, you're going to eventually have a drawdown. And then the, the cycle repeats over and over and over again. And so the, the key from a, a, a trader's mindset point of view is not to uh, freak out about every little drawdown. The drawdowns Correct. are inevitable. And if you let them get under your skin, you're going to drive yourself crazy in this pursuit. Whereas if you just know they're coming and think of it like a rainy day or a red light, then you can get on and, and keep a positive mindset and stay focused on the long-term goal, right? Somebody just told me recently, he gave me a good line. He goes, difficult times don't last. I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. You know, and part of this, part of like the amped trading philosophy that you espouse and what you wrote about in your book, Psychological Analysis, is an idea of frequency, how often you check in to the market. And uh, I was just reading a book recently that talked about when you increase the frequency, then you experience 
the pain of seeing that a uh, drawdown more often, right? If you're looking every day and three days out of five days, you had a drawdown, then you experience the pain of that drawdown three times. Whereas if you go to a weekly frequency, which is uh, mostly how you operate, I believe, then, you know, if it's a drawdown that week, you have that pain once instead of having it multiple times throughout the week. Yeah, that's absolutely right. As long as you're protected and your stops are in, so you don't get blown out because the market could move really quickly without you being protected. So if your protective stops are in, there's no need, in my opinion, to be looking at the market 35 times a day because what happens is it causes you to make more emotional decisions and less rational ones, number one. Number two, it also causes you to feel that pain and or euphoria. Hey, I'm up a lot of money. Yay, let's go celebrate a lot more. And then what happens, it distorts your focus and it causes you to be more emotional, not less emotional. And all things being equal, if you take two people, one is highly emotional, the other one's not. The one who's highly emotional, who's going to make better decisions in life? The one who's just blinded by fear, rage, love, joy, whatever feeling you have, or the one who's calm, cool, and collected. So that's another benefit. The, th the third benefit, which is really powerful, is that just one thing I've learned over life in markets, in my experience in the last 25 years, is most days just don't matter on Wall Street. Sure. I read that in one of your newsletters last week, that the days don't matter. 100%. So that's it. Most days, because last Thursday, we had a big down day in the market. And then Friday, it gapped up and erased the whole down day. And then, uh, and then some. But that down day was a big negative reversal. It was an, it was off of a new high. It was outside reversal. And it was just it had all of the classic sell signals that you would look for if you're a short-term trader. The very next day, they're all negated, gaps up and hits new highs. So most days just don't matter. Sure. And then and then when you look at if you have your chart set up on a weekly basis, you don't see Thursday's dip. You just see that the week ended on a good note. 100%. Right. So that's a great way to talk about this uh, little experiment in podcasting that we're doing here. We're calling this last week in the market. And the genesis for this is that a lot of people know you for your writing on Forbes. They've seen you on TV doing commentary on uh, CNBC or on Fox Business. Right. Uh, and there are some lucky souls who subscribe to your newsletters where you talk about uh, your analysis of the market and stocks that are uh, what do you call them candy? They're they're yeah. uh, they're set up to potentially be breakouts that would make them uh, potentially good candidates for your amped trading strategy, which is what you espouse. But I know when I first encountered those newsletters as a I don't know savvy novice who's who doesn't know all the market lingo i was sort of baffled by a lot of the terminology that you use a lot of shorthand stuff that experienced traders would know but people who are aspiring to be self-guided traders uh people who maybe have a financial advisor but don't get their sleeves rolled up all the time but are interested in doing that they, they might not know so the whole uh point of this enterprise here is to talk about some of those terms uh, for people who may not be experts yet, may not have the vocabulary to understand how to take your advice in your newsletters. And one thing that you're talking about is how last week 
on Friday, we saw a lot of gapping up, right? For someone who doesn't know, what does gapping up, gapping down, what does that mean? Why does it happen? It's a great question, Sean. So thank you, by the way, for doing this. And thank you for your help in the book and all, everything you're doing. Just I, I can't thank you enough. So hats off to you. It's just a, a free education, Adam. I get to I get to get the benefit of your experience and knowledge. Great trade, by the way. So well yeah, done. yeah, good. Um, a gap up is simple. When the market closes, the next day it, the market's open every day from nine thirty Eastern to four uh, Eastern, and it, that's Monday through Friday. It's all closed on the weekends. So overnight, you get news, you get events, you get things that happen. And big gaps, simply, it's the difference between where it closes and then where it opens the next day. For example, if you have a company XYZ and they report blowout quarterly earnings after the close, the next day, the stock could be up 10 or 20% in the blink of an eye. And then if it, let's say it closes at 10, it opens up at 12 the next day, that's a 20% gap up. Now, if it closes at 10, opens up the next day at eight, it's a gap down. And there's many reasons why that would happen. Typically, they happen on big news events, i.e. earnings. You don't see stocks gap up or down 10 20% or even 5 to 10% for no news at all. I mean, that's very, very, very rare. So typically, there's a catalyst of some sort to cause a stock to, get, you know, to gap up big or gap down big. So that's the answer to the, the gap question. And then what does it usually mean is that an object in motion does what? It stays in motion for an extended period of time. Well, all right. When stocks can go in sideways, let's say between 10 and 15 for six months, and then all of a sudden it gets to, it opens up the next day at 20. Well, all right. It's now broken above resistance, which was 15 in that example. Think of it like a ceiling in a room. Support, another keyword there would be the floor, which in that example, 10 to 15, 10 would be the support and 15 would be resistance. If it gaps up an explosive breakaway gap where it just breaks away from the pattern and is closes at 20, for example, that typically, not always, but typically would be the beginning of a new sustained move higher. Earnings came out, big institutional investors are happy. They're buying it with two hands, if not four hands, they can't buy enough stock. And then you see volume is another key indicator of what the institutions are doing. Let's say average volume is 5 million shares on any given day, but that day it's got 25 million shares. Well, that's clearly not Aunt Jane and Uncle Joe doing the buying. That's the big institutions. And they tend sure. to keep buying for months and months and months and months. So those big breakaway gaps out of an orderly base or a digestion or a consolidation, another big Wall Street term, it's just a sideways period or you know some kind of the consolidation after a big run up or down, then you break away a breakaway gap out of there. That's bullish. And a breakaway gap, or sorry, a break, a gap to the downside. It's not a breakaway gap. It would be a breakdown or a gap down that typically all things being equal be bearish. Bullish means stocks go up. Bearish means stocks go down. I hope I'm clearing up the lingo here. Yeah, yeah, no, and and just to make it as simple as possible, like if overnight a lot of news happens, there's a lot of interest in a particular stock, positive or negative, then when the market opens in the morning, first thing, there's a bunch of orders to either buy, 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 or sell, sell, sell. And then that first price that gets posted is going to move uh, in one direction or another. And that's the gap up or the gap down. But yeah, uh, actually, what else? Go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say there's after hours trading as well. 
pre-market and after market just for a few hours. So that also, and the people can do some trading there, but it's not going to show up on the chart. What shows up on the chart is the open at 9.30 Eastern and then close at 4 p.m. Eastern. Where it comes into the, the amped strategy is you're looking for stocks that are about to break out up, right? You talked about support and resistance and anyone who ever goes and looks at a particular uh, equity or, or traded fund uh, on Google Finance or wherever you look at your stock charts, right? And you look at it, you'll see that the chart gets in like a little pattern where it goes up and it goes down, but it kind of goes up and down within a range. And in a bullish market, you I read last week that in a bullish market, surprises are usually good. And you'd be looking to see it have a great day, it bounce up a little bit and then start a new pattern and, and hopefully break up again. And that's, that's what amped traders are looking for. They're looking for breakouts that they can detect, hopefully um, hitch onto and, and ride them up. I mean, all it is is just pattern recognition in its most basic form. And the idea again, is you're looking for digestions, consolidations, they're called bases on Wall Street, but you can, whatever you want, it's a sideways pattern. And then you want to see a change, a beginning of an uptrend. And that typically happens when the stock breaks above resistance. Think about a seed. I mean, I know Sean, you garden, right? So if you plant mm -hmm. the seed, put some water, okay, not all seeds are going to work, but for the most part, this here's the ground. The seed has to break through the ground and go up, 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 and then you can have a whole tree come out of it, but it needs to just break through that, the ground, and then you could kind of get the, to the air, so to speak, and then you water it, take care of it, and hopefully it keeps growing. Same with the stock. The, you got resistance here. You have support here. It's going sideways, 10 to 15, 10 to 15. could be 50 to 55. It could be 100 to 105. It doesn't matter. And then eventually you break above resistance, and then you want to see that tree blossom or that stock continue to go up. If it doesn't, which happens often, breakouts fail, you'll see it go right back into that base where you kind of break up above, let's say 15, you get above 15, you go to 1525, 1550, even 16. And then a day or two later, or the same day, you're back down to 1450 or you're below 15. And then that breakout just failed. That doesn't mean the stock is doomed. It just means for right now, it's not ready. It just needs more time in the oven, so to speak. Eventually it could break out and go. And many times you have many false starts where you try to break out, it gets knocked down again, breaks out, knocks down again. People sell it, they're not ready to, you just don't have overwhelming demand, buying isn't there. A lot of people sell it and then okay, eventually the sellers dry up, stock breaks out and it begets strength, begets strength and it just keeps going. Sure. And we talked a few minutes ago about how in a bullish market, a bull market, that surprises tend to go up. And you, we're in a spot right now where for months and months and months, we've been in a sideways market where it's not really going up. It's not really going down. You see moments where it looked like it wants to go up, but it just kind of falls back into that pattern. And you know, there's no, uh, there's no red line that the market crosses and it's like, okay, it's a bull market. Now you're, you're looking for, it can be bullish in certain sectors at first. It, it, it's sort of a slow movement. And, uh, now it was, uh, a few months ago where when you were in a sideways market, according to your AMP strategy, your, uh, position was mostly cash. You don't want to ride that bumpy road. 
But then in March, I started seeing things look like the market was going to finally break into a, a bullish attitude. And that's kind of where we're at now. But tell me, Adam, is it a, uh, it's not a raging bull market right now. It, it seems like it's a uh, delicately tentative bull market trying to find its momentum after a long sideways scroll. Am I right about that? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you had a, more than a sideways scroll. You had a downtrend for most of 2022, which was just an outright bear market for many areas of the market. And then early 2020, actually the end of 20, it was October of 2022, the market bottomed. Inflation data came out. And it's not the news that matters. This brings up a really good point. It's the reaction to the news. Because inflation, the stock market fell last year for two big reasons. One was inflation. Two, the market was worried that the Fed would raise rates too much and then cause what they call a hard landing, which in plain English means a big recession. So instead of having a hard landing, there wasn't even a soft landing, which is a shallow recession. There was no landing at all, meaning there was no recession at all. Jobs, if you look at the job, you know, every month they have the jobs report, jobs continue to grow by hundreds of thousands every single month. And you've got consumer spending. So, so all the fears pretty much that, were, that caused the big market decline in 2022 were basically from just self-imposed fears that the market was worried about. They never materialized. So in October of 2002, the market rallied hard on inflation news. So again, it's the reaction to the news that matters. And then in January, the market really just started taking off and you, you had a big run in the month of January. You pulled back a little bit in February. You got some bad news in March because some of those regional banks were failing out in California, Silicon Valley, and some other ones. But the credit was failed in Switzerland. And then, and then the market just took off and never looked back. It was led by big cap tech and then the AI stocks like semiconductors and all that fun stuff. And the rally now is just beginning to broaden out a little bit where you're getting other areas of the market, like the transportation stocks, and you're getting the small cap stocks, even the regional banks that got hit really hard in March have all bottomed for the most part, and now they're going up. So we're in a very unique situation where this doesn't happen often, but we're in a situation where we're in the early stages of a new bull market. You bottomed in October. Get this. If you want some market history, those of you that like history are going to appreciate this. You bought in the Q4 of 2022, the bear market was over, and then you, the new bull market began in March of 2023. Well, if you look at the last two major bear markets on Wall Street, the first one was in 2000, the dot-com bubble burst, and it bottomed in October of 2002. And then in March of 03 is when the new bull market actually began. Interestingly enough, it was October and then March. And then fast forward, the next big bear market was the 2008 meltdown. And that the NASDAQ 100, the QQQ, bottomed in November or the Q4, the fourth quarter of 2008. But really, the new bull market began in March of 2009. Fast forward to 2022, you bottomed in October of 2022. And then in March of 23 was when the new bull market really got going. So, and I was saying this in real time because I study history. I was like, oh, wow, I've seen this movie before. I've seen this before many times where the market bottoms in October or in Q4. And then really the new bull market begins in, the, in March of the next year. And if that happens again this time around, that's going to be one amazing you know, coincidence or coinkydink, for lack of a better word. Mm. And now what happens again 
you bought them in October and then you took off in March. So we're in the early stages of a new bull market and we're beginning to see healthier action because there's more and more sectors of the market that are participating in this rally. It's not just the big cap tech stocks or the semiconductor AI related stocks. It's spreading out and that's bullish. So this is the green light after a long red light. Correct. Nice. Well said. Earlier, you mentioned that the news doesn't matter in trading. It's the reaction to the news. And last week in the market, we heard that the Fed raised interest rates again a little bit. You explained that often that has a negative effect on the market. Last week, the market didn't seem to care. Tell me a little bit about that and why you think that is. So there's two things the Fed's responsible for. Step one, they call it a dual mandate, is to keep inflation near 2%. If inflation is too high, that's not good. Inflation is too low, that's not good. Second thing that the Fed's responsible for is to keep unemployment relatively low, as low as possible. Okay, great. What does that mean? How does the Fed do that? Well, it controls interest rates. Another way of wording this fancy Wall Street term is called monetary policy. Fiscal policy comes out of Congress and spending from the government, but monetary policy, the Fed controls it. Well, all right, fine. So the Fed can either raise interest rates to slow the economy down, or it can lower interest rates to speed it up. It can't directly control the economy like push a button and you're done, but it can influence the economy to the nth degree. And that influence, it's like the proverbial elephant jumping into a small pond, the water is going to splash because it's such a massive, massive, massive behemoth in the, in the global economy. The Fed's the biggest central bank in the world. So when the Fed raises rates and they broadcast what their intentions are and the reasons why they're doing what they're doing, it's a game of expectations. The market, i.e. all the participants, are aware of what the Fed's going to do. And they've adjusted their portfolios accordingly. Now, if the Fed goes off the deep end and starts doing things that are just uncharacteristic and a surprise expectation breaker, then you'll see big wild moves in the market. But when the Fed basically tells you what it's going to do in advance and then it just does it, then all of a sudden you're going to see the market rally on that news for the most part, assuming you're in the early stages of a bull market. Now, conversely, if you're in a bear market, like in 2022, no matter what the Fed did, the market was going down afterwards. A few weeks afterwards, it was just down because the overall trend was down. Now the trend is turning higher. So the reaction to the news matters more than news itself, because in bull markets, surprises happen to the upside, not the downside. In bear markets, which are downtrends, surprises happen to the downside most all things being equal. So right now we're in the early stages of the new bull market. The Fed told us they're going to raise rates by a quarter point. They raised rates by a quarter point and the market barely moved. It didn't even matter. Okay, now what? Let's move on to the next thing. It's old news. All right, that's it for this week's edition of Last Week in the Market. We're already starting to see some of those pullbacks that Adam was talking about. Come join us next week and we'll see how things wrapped up. Until then, as Adam often says, keep your losses small and let your winners fly. Difficult times don't last.